It's been really fun to be in the book of Acts together over the past um, several weeks. We've been studying it, and it's been so cool to see God do his thing here at Sunset. There are so many stories. I, I can go on and on and on about how God has been stirring this community really to great things. Um, to great things, greater ways to honor God, um, action, all kinds of things have been happening here at Sunset, and it's just been cool since we've opened this book. And so I'm excited to see that continue this morning. Uh, we've been in a three-part series. We're in a three-part series. Um, we've kind of given it the theme of devotion. When we've looked at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, we really see that bleeding through this text is the idea of devotion. And just to remind us of this entire text, I want to read it real quickly. Uh, starting in verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's retrace our steps a little bit. If you go back to the first part of chapter 2, we see that God's promise of the Spirit coming is fulfilled at the day of Pentecost. And then after that, we see Peter, he, he jumps up in front of a j- bunch of Jews in a Jerusalem crowd and, and starts preaching his guts out. And he preaches, and the Bible says, the Scripture says that people were cut to the heart. And so they're cut to the heart and they respond and they ask the apostles, what are we to do? And they said, trust Jesus and be baptized. And that day they added 3,000 to their number. And so what we see here is God's family is growing in Jerusalem. We see God's family and, and this crew of people is devoted, and they're devoted to some things. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread. And, and all these things are, are great. They're great things to be devoted to. But why? Well, the apostles' teaching was about God. Fellowship was about God. Prayer was about God. The breaking of bread, it was about God. This morning, I want to highlight this godly fellowship. And so, again, we've been in this text, and devotion's running all the way through it. Jose, last week, did a phenomenal job of summarizing the text. Myself, I'm going to jump into fellowship, the last two verses. And then one of our elders next week is going to jump on the part of generosity. And so, this three-part series is exciting, but what about godly fellowship do we need to be devoted to? I think here in 2015, a, a better word for fellowship is, is community. Community. I, I, I talk to a lot of people about, hey, what are you looking for in a church? What do you want to find? Especially young people, they come up to me and they're like, oh, I just want community. It's like, it's kind of a buzzword, to be quite honest. It's, well, what do you need? I need community. And as I talk to them more, unfortunately, oftentimes, their definition of community is 
a little bit off. And so this morning, I, I want us to get all on the same page. Community, all right, community is God's people pointing each other and the world to God through intentional, authentic, and sacrificial relationships. I, I, I did want to like do a selfie this morning to show my community. That's not community, friends. Community is intentional. Community is authentic. And it's sacrificial. Before we dive into this more, though, I think it's important for us to see God. To see what he's like. I think the more we stare at him, the better our community will be here at sunset. For instance, notice in the text we just read, verse 43. Look at 43 with me. It says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. People were caught up in God. They looked around, they're like, this is only God. They were in awe of him, and that awe started to result in some action. It started to result in fellowship, into community. I uh, recently started reading a book on marriage. Uh, It's by Francis Chan, and in it, the book says this about marriage. As a pastor of over 20 years, I have come to the conclusion that most marriage problems are not really marriage problems. They are God problems. The truth is, God problems will start showing up in your marriage. I think this quote applies to community. Being right with God, loving him, running after him, listening to him, and so on and so on and so on will eventually lead to biblical community. So let's look at God. God is a community. Before the creation of the world, our God was infinitely happy in himself. We catch a glimpse of this when Jesus prays in John 17. You don't need to go there. I'm going to kick it up on the screen here real quick. It says this in John 17, verses 1 through 5. This is right before Jesus was going to be arrested. He says this, In prayer, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are a community. Our God, one being, three persons, perfectly relate with one another. And it's amazing. It's so amazing that Jesus describes it as glorious. We also see the community of God at work in our redemption. God the Father sends the Son, and the Holy Spirit applies the Son's work to our hearts. As you can see, our God 
a community invites us in. God saw our mess. He saw our sin. And he said, come. On our very best day, your very best day, when you sit back and you go, man, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. You don't measure up. On your best day, you come nowhere near God's standard of perfection. But God says, come. He invites you through a way, his son Jesus Christ. He says, come, trust my son so that you can be my child. I can be your father. He makes a way. I I, I don't know, maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you're just checking us out today. Maybe you're like, I'm just seeing what this whole God thing is about. I want you to know that God invites you in. My plea with you is that this morning you would trust him, that you would love him, that you would be saved. God, a community, invites us in. Now, some of you have said, hey, Kenny, I've trusted in Jesus. I do love him. He's my king. Well, then, you've been saved by a community for community. We, the local church, can experience similar divine community that God experienced in himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. We have been saved into a community. A snapshot of this community is in verses 46 through 47. Let's just read it one more time. Here we go. Acts 2, verse 46. Every day... They continued, God's family, these people of God, the church, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notice the first two words and the back two words. Every day. This shows consistency. It points to devotion. We also see that sincere hearts can be translated from the Greek as a single-minded devotion. As I said before, devotion bleeds through this text. What elements of fellowship do we see, though, here in verses 46 through 47? The first one is, they met at temple, at the temple courts. This is kind of two different feels, though, uh, when they met. The first one is, they would meet as a large group mostly for ceremonial purposes. So the temple's huge. I mean, this entire building isn't even the temple. I mean, the temple is massive. I was talking to one of our elders this last week, and he said, Kenny, have you ever been there? I said, no. He goes, it's mind-blowing how big the temple is. And so the temple, all right, they come together and they gather, much like we are here this morning, they would gather together as a big group for ceremonial purposes, but then also they would gather in smaller groups throughout the temple courts. So you'd see them in these clusters, okay? And so there's these two different fields that are happening at the temple. 
They were also, though, devoted to breaking bread and eating in homes together. So there's no special sense, though, about this, this meal. It's not a, a birthday party. It's not a celebration. It's not Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving that they get together on. This is a regular, all-the-time deal. I think they looked around and they're pretty much like, hey, you have to eat, I have to eat, we might as well all do it together. So they would meet in homes, break bread, they'd be together, they'd be rubbing shoulders with one another in their homes, as well as in the temple courts. So which is church? The big or the small? The gathering here or doing life together in your apartment? Or at your coffee shop? The answer is yes. We don't get to pick and choose because church, as we see it in Acts, is both. Again, to put it in our language, we gather and we scatter. There's a value of having everyone together this morning for corporate worship. But at it's also valuable to have people in smaller groups. For us, Sunset gathers on Sundays at prayer events or men's breakfasts or women's night of prayer. But Sunset also scatters. Our hope is that Sunday isn't the only time you're seeing one another. Jesus' followers should be and have devotion to rubbing shoulders outside of just today. I was reading an article earlier this week by a guy named David Lukable, and he says this, we need other believers to draw us back into the fold when we've gone astray. Other believers need us to encourage and spur them on. If we examine all the orders that were given in the New Testament, the one another commands dominate the pages. What are the one another commands? Well, here, here's a few. Love one another, John 13, 34. Outdo one another with honor. Serve one another. Pray for one another. These are the one another commands. He continues by saying this. Living in the community of the local church then is necessary, not optional for your growth. We simply cannot obey one another commands if we're not around, well, one another. That's it. You want to grow in grace? You want to mature as a Jesus follower? Part of this is being known and knowing others. God uses the church, both the gather and the scatter, to help people experience life in Jesus. The primary way in which we see Sunset doing this is through our missional communities. Today, I want to invite one of our missional communities to just come up and share a little bit of their experience, of, of where God's taken them, from, kind of from the beginning to, to now. And if they are here, so yeah, come on up, you guys. I think, do I have a mic too? I think Matt stole my mic. Oh, you guys, look at Matt. He's on it. Can you guys, can you guys welcome these folks? They're... Thank you. 
right here is perfect. This is, this is Pat Ed- Edmonds. He's married to the, the lovely Jackie back here. And then we have Steve and Aubrey. And um, we were talking back in <laughs> behind the curtain earlier. And I, I was trying to give some direction. And Aubrey said, oh, yeah, Pat and Steve will talk and we'll just look pretty. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, okay, cool. Let's do it. So can you just share a little bit about maybe the beginning of what God's done and, and kind of pass it off to Steve and kind of show us what God's doing now. So, Okay, great. I'm glad to do that. And um, just quickly, if you're here and you're a part of either one of these missional communities, could you just stand up real quick? Come on, so everybody can see how amazing and lovely and beautiful you all are. <laughs> now, these are the people you want to talk to afterwards if you have any questions. <laughs> so, thanks, guys. Um, it was about three years ago that... Um, Ryan and Cheryl Wardell and Jackie and I, when we were kind of shifting from house churches to missional communities, and we were like, what are you guys going to do? I don't know. What are you guys going to do? Well, what are you guys going to do? Because we've known each other now for about 30 plus years. Um, We met in a a young married Sunday school class at Village Baptist. And uh, since then, we've kind of raised our families so it's more like raising five boys than them raising two and us raising three. <clears throat> but there's strength in numbers when you're raising boys. So um, we said, well, hey, your son got married this summer. Our son got married this summer. Why don't we start a group for young married couples and just try to connect them and give them a place to focus on at least two of the things that were in verse 42, fellowship and breaking bread. We remembered back as young married couples that if anybody ever offered us a free meal, we were there. (laughs) So um, we said, hey, all right, let's do it. We're going to put out the word that this Friday night there's free dinner if you're a young married couple. And um, people started showing up. Uh, The first year was kind of, there was a lot of come and go. A lot of the people that were coming were students, working One was doing one, one was doing the other. A couple of them were doing both. So people came and went, came and went, and we were like, well, is this the right thing to do? It still feels like that. So we stuck with it, and uh, we met some amazing young couples, and and they were with us for a while, and then they were gone. But um, we gained a lot from the time we were together. And then our... We never had a grand plan when we started this. It was just, let's do it and see what happens. You know, it's the true back to the solid rock days. It was the true solid rock model. We have no plan. We're just going to try it and see what happens. (laughs) God began to um, answer some of our prayers, and um, everything started to kind of explode. And um, couples started coming out of the woodwork. Um, There were... Two years ago, two and a half years ago, there were 67 couples that got married through Solid Rock. And uh, so we reached out to those 67 couples, and some of them came and some of them stuck. And we began to see our numbers grow. And another couple in the church, Mike and Chris Akinson, approached us and said, Hey, we're beginning to feel like, even though we got a bunch of other stuff going on, God's kind of calling us into this. We'd like to walk alongside of you. Um, you know, we're retired. We have a little bit more margin in our schedule. We can make ourselves more available to some of these couples to meet with them. And we're like, cool, come on board. We could use one more bigger house to host all these people. And um, 
So it's kind of grown from that, and we've had some amazing young people come and join us, and uh, it got to the point that we were getting really crowded and really cozy, and um, as facilitators, we started like, what are we going to do, you know, we can't afford to buy a bigger house or add on, where are we going to meet, where the food's starting to get, you know, we're we're getting close to the two loaves and five fishes thing here. Camp style, baby. A lot, of, a lot of hungry young men showing up on Friday night. So um, basically, don't want to elongate this, but God was answering our prayers, even though I think at times, much like what Jose said last week, sometimes we pray, but we're not really 100% convinced God's going to answer it, but God was answering it. And these young couples that were coming were getting connected to each other. Um, increasingly, they were hanging out longer and longer and longer. We could wash all the dishes, put all the tables and chairs away, and they're still just chatting it up. <laughs> and we're sitting back, and we're having a ball. Um, as, as facilitators, we're smiling. We're like, God, thank you. This is everything that we could have ever dreamt of. And we really had no part in it except opening our homes and making stuff available. So that kind of leads us to where we are today, where as this growth was happening, and we're trying to figure out what do we do, and we just fell back on the idea, it's not really what we think we should do, it's what God's going to do. Well, God answered that prayer, that mindset, in that one of the couples in our group, Stephen Aubrey, um, came to us and said, hey, we from the day that we started dating each other and getting serious, we really feel like one of our goals was eventually that we would want to lead a missional community. And it's like, oh, that's an interesting idea. wonder where that came from. And so as they pursued that, Mike and Chris, who already had a relationship with Stephen Aubrey and who had partnered with us and knew a lot of the couples, said, hey, we think we should go and be in support of them as they do this. So that leads us basically to where we are today. Um, And so our group, as painful as it was, to think that one of the couples, and as it turned out, multiple couples have gone to start this new work, it's like, God, thanks. That's, That's, again, everything that we hoped for. We didn't necessarily believe it would happen, but Stephen Aubrey have launched out. Another couple that was with us for almost a year returned to Southern California where they were from, but with a new vision to go there and try to do the same thing and experience the things that they had experienced here in the time that they were here. So this is Steve Tate, his lovely wife, Aubrey, and Steve can tell you the, sort of the, where we are now. Yeah, so Aubrey and I got married about... A year and a half ago. Dude, don't mess this up, bro. Yeah. <laughs> July 27th, 2013. Um, and when we were dating, we knew the importance of community for our marriage. And then we uh, actually met um, the Edmonds and the Wardells before we were even engaged. And they were looking at our fingers and trying to figure out if we could fit in their group or not. And there was no ring at that point, but we kind of connected with them really well. And then we got married and then um, joined their group, and it was exactly what we needed for that time period of our uh, first season of marriage. And they um, just poured into us when we were engaged. They uh, mm-hmm. prayed over our future marriage and 
Um, I truly believe that because of that, we have a strong foundation for the rest of our life. Um, but like Pat said, we were, uh, when we were dating, we knew someday we wanted to start our own community. And so um, we also knew the importance of building a foundation to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it grew very large. And regardless of what house we were in, we couldn't fit all the people. And so uh, they, they brought up the idea of splitting. And that kind of uh, resonated with where we were at in life. And um, prayed about it. And it was kind of a, an obvious, this is the right time. Not that we had our marriage figured out, but we built a foundation to get to the point where we could step out and serve. So we uh, told them about it, and they were completely supportive. And I think for us, it was, we felt so full with the community we already had uh, in this young married community that we wanted other people to experience that outside of a young married specific community. So we had a huge heart to create a community for people of all ages, all walks of life, whether we meet people here um, on the weekends or just our neighbors on the street. People need community, like you were saying. And uh, that, that was a heart, just to create a place where anybody could come to, even if they're not a, not a believer. And, uh, so we encourage people to take notes from the weekend and um, just bring our questions, bring our doubts, bring our worries, and talk about them as a group. And it's just been really rewarding to... Mm-hmm learn from the, uh, the different age groups, the different backgrounds. And um, yeah, we, uh, it's just a really rich time of conversation and we learn from each other. Um, I don't know about everybody else, but I tend to forget most of the sermon, sorry, Kenny, by, <laughs> by 1, 1 p.m. or so on Sunday. So it's awesome to be, to be able to write down, not today though. Um, it's awesome to be able to write down notes and then read, review what was said over the, the past couple of weeks, and that's been, um, it's helping me to retain what's been going on in our community. That's great. And uh, in the spring, we're hoping to partner with a local retirement home and uh, mm. teach, teach the elderly how to use technology and build community that way. Wow, that's cool. Can you guys give these guys a hand? It's awesome. <laughs> really good. Just encouraging to see God being faithful to what we're looking at here in the scriptures today. That right there. I mean, I, I love it that Pat sits here and goes, I don't know what we were doing. That right there is a praise to God, which right now, if we keep reading, go back to the text with me here real quick. Verse 47, 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 Praising God. That's just what we saw right here. There's a ton of praise coming out of all of these stories. We praise God that he added, he added to this group. We praise God that we have another group now. And just to, to like kind of give a testimony here, I was on the, in the back last week, or no, two, a few weeks ago, and a gentleman came up to me and said, I just got into a missional community. And I am loving it. God is using it in my life. Do you know what group it was? Is this one right here, the, the new one that just started. The guy's stoked. And he's stoked because God's using the church the way it was designed to be used for his glory. To grow people, to mature people, 
to, for people to be in relationship. These groups are praising God. And I'm just really excited because it's happening here at sunset. Let's finish verse 47. God's people got together at the temple and in homes, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily and people were being saved. In these two verses we looked at today, our author affirms the internal fellowship, intimacy and engagement of the community. The positive activity is accompanied by joy and glad hearts. And their worship and praise of God are ongoing. But this is not an isolated private club. Their reputation with outsiders is also good. God's church is not exclusive, but inclusive. The first Jerusalem Christians were not so preoccupied with learning, sharing, and worshiping that they forgot about witnessing. For the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit who created a missionary church. God uses the church for his glory, to make him famous, and in turn, he adds to it. See, although we're having community here at Sunset, and I am encouraged by it, I still believe that we need to grow in it. We need more of this. I think if you were to pull these guys aside and you would ask, hey, you guys still need to grow in this, they would say yes. I'll be straight with you. I'm in a missional community. There are nights when my son has been going nuts. And I look at my wife and we go, we're going to go to missional community tonight. (laughs) That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) We have made a decision, though, to be devoted. And I'm not giving myself a pat on the back here. I'm being real with you that there are nights I don't want to go. Oh, great. I'll just follow Parker around all the whole time. It'll be fun. So what are some roadblocks that we may have to get over to be the church? I think one, and it really has two parts, is individualism. Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants you to believe that you can handle it on your own. At its root, it's really a lack of humility. We don't open up our lives to perspectives of others because we aren't willing to admit that there may be something that needs addressing in our lives. While there are many things that don't need to be shared with everyone, there are very few things that don't need to be shared with someone. Being vulnerable not only creates opportunities to grow in grace, but also gives other opportunities to point out issues in our lives that we can't see. Friends, we have blind spots. You have blind spots. I have blind spots. We need people in our lives to point these out. I was, uh, like I said, I'm in a missional community. I had one of our mission, one of the guys from a missional community come and paint my house because I can't paint. I, I use way too much paint and it doesn't, it looks awful. So I asked this guy to come help me because he's like a professional. Well, we're painting together. So we're painting. Again, it's, it's 
it's very humiliating, quite honestly, because I'm just, you know, going at it. And he's just delicately just, and it looks beautiful. And I'm like, what is this over here? Why, and why did, I, why did it take me 45 minutes to do this wall, and you're already done with three walls in 15 minutes? What's the deal, right? But in this time when we're painting, we're having conversation. And at one point, he goes to tell me that, I really think this guy has the gift of evangelism. But he tells me that he goes and he just hands out tracts. And he tries to start conversation with people. And I just straight up told him, I said, dude, I think that's a bad idea. I, don't, I would never do that. And he goes, why? So then I go to tell him, well, man, I think really we need to be sharing the gospel with, with relationship. <laughs> this is what he said. He goes, man, Kenny, aren't you putting a lot of weight on what you can do? I almost was like, shut up, man. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> We're rubbing shoulders with one another. We're in relationship. I love this guy. This guy loves me. He told me my business. I s- took a s- step back and said, do I really believe that the Holy Spirit might use me in a stranger's life to present the gospel? God used him in my life. We were being the church. Individualism, the second part of individualism is it excuses us from helping others. Biblical community is robust. It's life on life in the trenches community. God didn't merely text you. Hey, I invite you into my family. No, he came, he walked with us, he wept with us. He did things that were selfless. The last thing I want to share that I I think a roadblock for us that we got to get over is our priorities. Some of us need to reshift what we're devoted to. What does your calendar say you're devoted to? What does your bank account say you're devoted to? Some of you have more devotion to the soccer field than you do to being here on Sunday mornings or being in other fellowship that's scattered throughout the week. When it comes down to it, we just rank other things higher than fellowship. When I was a teenager, I played basketball in AAU tournaments on the weekend. We always played on Sunday. There were championship games on Sunday. And my dad... At the time, I hated him for it. But now, I love him for it. And that was it. My dad said, Kenny, there's four tournaments. Pick which one you're going to skip Sunday. The other three, you're going to be at a church. But dad, the championship game's probably on Sunday. I don't care. Which one? I hated him for it. But it was great because he was showing me, Kenny, our family is devoted to fellowship. We're devoted to the big gathering. So where do we go from here? I think it's one simple thing. Join the family. 